let's talk about uh, the show, which is where all this has been leading. <laughs> um, going into the show, like when it was first um, premiering, like all these things, I had trepidations before I kind of learned to not have trepidations about this <laughs> stuff anymore. Um, yeah, don't overthink TV. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of stuff that uh, I really liked. Like, I, of course, in the comic, Huey is visually based on Simon Pegg. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, we can't have Simon Pegg playing like a, 25-year-old? Yeah, with, with, without meaning to jump in there. Simon Pegg, uh, actually think, is like like a fairly youthful-looking guy, or was for mm -hmm. most of his career. Yeah, when he did Space, he was like yeah. 30, but looked 20 or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, like, if they had made the boys' movie or TV show, like, while the comic was running, yeah. it, like, kind of jumped on that. Huey looks the way Simon Pegg did in, like, 2006. You can't wait 15 years and then have, like, post The World's End, like, mm -hmm. graying at the temple, Simon Pegg play the character anymore. Although... The kid on the team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although it is a really neat uh, kind of nod to the fans that Huey's dad is played by Simon Pegg. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> For somebody who, like, has made almost no good movies when he's not working with... Uh, one director. Mm -hmm. um, I do love Simon Pegg. Like, I'm never, like, unhappy to see him. Yeah. Like, I haven't watched the movies, but even fucking Ice Age, I'm like, oh, good, good for him. Yeah. I'm sure he's the best part of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, different stuff about the, uh, about the show that differs from the comics. Um, one of the things about the comics is they take the compound, the, like, from the get-go. Yeah. It's, it's just a given from, like, the yeah. second storyline on. They, the, the boys permanently have super, not powers, but, like, strength and endurance. Yeah. And they, uh, so they can tussle with a lot of the heroes. Um, I do think it's an interesting direction that they, initially in the show, don't have the compound V. Mm -hmm. So they have to figure out way, like, they have to figure out more cunning ways to fuck with the soups. Yeah. And Kumiko's the only one who, much like in the comics, she, like, had it from infancy. Yeah. As opposed to getting injected like the others. Um, so she's still, like, their heavy hitter and their assassin. Yeah. But everybody else, it's like, yeah, li literally, if, like, somebody shoves Huey or M.M. too hard, then their spine explodes out of their back. Mm. So yeah. the stakes are a little higher there. That's what one character says to them. It's uh, like, you really think you can go up against them? Your water balloon's full of meat. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's such a great line. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of stuff they change around. They kind of... They alter the deep and A-Train because in the book, A-Train is... He's A-Train, but what the deep... Like, the sexual harassment thing with the deep... Uh, a train does that in the comics. Yeah, and the deep does. The deep is basically just a joke in the comics because he's uh, he's he's a doing a diving helmet. Yeah, which I love. And it's weird, like he he's a bit 
pompous, like the deep takes the deep a little more seriously than anyone else does. Yeah. But also he's shown to be like, he's like a piece of shit villain, but he's not the absolute depraved monster that like Noir and Homelander and even like Jack and A-Train. Jack who's not in the show. No, Jack from Jupiter. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. Everybody knows who the Flash is. Everybody knows like, yeah, there's like the second tier. You could probably even say like Hawkman people would kind of mm-hmm. know what you mean. Even to this day, Martian Manhunter is not a household name. And Jack from Jupiter is a big ask. <laughs> yeah. So the result is that the seventh member of the seven is like, it's like being the defense against the dark arts teacher or the drummer for Spinal Tap. Like, it is a pretty frequently open position. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but, oh yeah, but like, so the, the complete idiot borderline rapist jackass that the deep is wonderfully on the show that personality is largely given over to a train in the comic mm-hmm. yeah and uh the two things i think are interesting is in the book uh when uh starliner is that right well the lamplighter is the one she replaces then starlight is like annie january yeah yeah starlight um when she's forced to perform oral sex on uh, the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, she, like, she has to keep it a secret like mm-hmm. because she'll be ruined if she tells anyone. But I really do like how in the, uh, in the show she gets up the nerve to tell her story and it just fucks over the deep so much. Yeah, for like two seasons, he's like in the doghouse. Yes, and, you know, there's the great line from, I think, Stormfront, is uh, if a guy shoves his dick in your face, bite it off. Yeah. (laughs) I love that line. One of the things, another thing I like is Homelander, like he's, like, just plain evil in the... Comics. Yeah, he's, he's like a great character, but he's maybe more... There are less, like, kinks in his personality in the comics. Yeah. yeah, but in the... People have said, like, Anthony Starr is, like... Phenomenal. Yo, he's Ph- phenomenal. Fantastic. In he's awesome. Like, just stuff like... It, it, his pomposity reminds me of the strobe from James Gunn's specials. Just, like, y- you can make fun of me, but please, please do not make fun of my journey through this world to save this world. And they have stuff like him uh, looking at the baby, mm-hmm. the super baby, with just... just it's, yeah. it's not even super, it's just Stillwell's yeah. baby, oh, yeah. right? And because Homelander has, like, a lactation fetish mm-hmm. and is starved for attention, and so when she's, like, nursing... Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the look on his face of just utter hatred for this baby who's just there, and... And, and it's, like, it's simultaneously, like... It's played totally sincere, and it's the funniest thing in the entire series because it's, like, he's mad at a baby. It's like when Natasha Leggero shit-talks a baby... <laughs> In yeah. another period, it's, it's like, that's who that character... Like, it's a joke, but also, no, sincerely, he is that petty. Yeah, and <laughs> speaking of being petty, um, there's a wonderful scene where uh, Stormfront tells him, like, you need a more... 
you need more of a online presence. Mm -hmm. Like you need to do social media, stuff like that. And uh, she introduces them to memes. And she says, like, you know, believe it or not, there are a lot of people who are making some pretty bad memes about you. And it shows them in the headquarters scrolling through memes. Like, just, like, not even, like, super dank memes, but just, like, normal stuff. And, the again, his face when he is looking at it is just utter rage. Like, how dare you put my body on SpongeBob? How dare you put my head on SpongeBob's body? Yeah. No, that, and that's the thing with Homelander. He's the guy where if he found out that you called him a cuck, would destroy the eastern seaboard. Yeah. Which makes him... And it's like you gotta walk the line. There is like a science to it, but the character who is simultaneously the funniest and the scariest character in a series. Yeah. Which, which honestly Darth kind of did with uh, Star and yeah, yeah, like Star. Star is just like humiliated relentlessly for the whole series. He's also like a competent, frightening villain. Yeah, he described Star as what if Wiley e. Coyote never got better from the yeah injuries. But Star is like the best character in the series. Yeah, um, but uh, like so, yeah. Across the board, the acting is pretty good, but um, Anthony Star, like this is not in any way a. Uh, a, a contrarian opinion. Uh, he's fantastic. In yes. This. Like, e- even when I was like a little skeptical on the show at first, I, I would use that line like, "Oh, I really like the boys." I'm like, do you like the boys or do you like Anthony Starr? <laughs> because yeah. it, you can like the boys because of Anthony Starr, but like, let's interrogate this a little. The whole cast is good, but he he is like, yeah. He's just giving one of the best performances these days. You're going to see anywhere. Carl Urban is... He was born to play Billy Butcher. <laughs> yeah. That's like the... It's like Professor X being played by Patrick Stewart. Like, you can't get anyone else. Yeah. And and people have pointed out that Butcher is weird because he's the one character who is basically the same as the comic. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, he has like a beard and whatever. I don't mean in, in that case. Mm. The personality is largely the same. Honestly, comic butcher is probably even more evil than yeah. show butcher. We at least, he's at least like given a little more humanity. But it's true. Like everything else is kind of like moves away from that Warren Ellis. Like, why is this American calling like, another guy a bloke? Mm hmm. It, it leaves behind that sort of second wave British invasion, edgelord, early aughts yeah. comic era, except Butcher. So it, it's like totally its own thing. And then there's just one character who wonders and is like, oh, you cunts, look at this little twerp. Somebody must have shit in his cereal. Proper good. Anyways, yeah. we're, we're, we're working out of the flat iron building up the apples and pears. <laughs> Oi, Huey, do I look like a reasonable man? Or do I look like a peppermint nightmare? <laughs> and, it's, and the weird thing is, it's like, yeah, when it's just one guy acting like that, it's kind of fun because it's just his deal. It's like in the new season of Stranger Things, uh, there's the character like Argyle, the stoner kid. Mm-hmm. And the whole, like up until like the second to last episode, I'm like, they're going to do something with Argyle, right? Like, he's going to turn out to be evil, or 
he's gonna have like hidden depth or like sacrifice himself for the good guys. It's like, no, they just have a Pauly Shore ass friend. And like, I'm like, oh, okay, like I don't even dislike him. It's a funny enough character. But you're like, wow, like the best friend from a goofy movie just <laughs> wandered into your John Carpenter homage. It's like Danger Five. Like there's just a talking dog that we're friends with now, yeah. and we're not going to acknowledge how weird that is. Um, I love Kilroy. Kilroy, oh, the perfect. <laughs> I'm dying, man. <laughs> Oh, God, we need to do a Danger 5 episode sometime. That's the best shit. Um, so, yeah, the the cast is good. Like, honestly, there's some changes that mostly work. They give Kamiko much more to do, which is to say anything. Yeah. Um, Frenchie has a lot more personality. I don't... Honestly... No, and it's nothing against the actor. I, I think he's cute and fun and everything. Mm-hmm. Frenchie is one of the few characters where I do prefer the comic version. Because in the comic, Frenchie was my favorite part of the team. And he's he's Nightcrawler yeah. in the comic. He's just like this... I mean, he's like a mass murderer, of course, because it's a Garth Ennis comic. But, but he's a lover of life. Yeah, he, he's got like a real joie de vivre. And he's a, like this swashbuckling goof. Mm-hmm. And, and like just just very like sweet and like a very easy character to like and the, the one on the show is like he's a little more of like a burnout and he has a tortured past and it's like i don't i feel like he gets the short end of the stick like i say it's it's not that the guy does a bad job like playing him mm-hmm. but it's almost like the writers are like we polished up all the other characters, so you're going to get all the boring storytelling cliches. Yeah. And you're the one who's like, I don't even know if I want to go on leaving if I'm a killer. And like, it's just way more fun when he's, like, being silly. And <laughs> on the ground, uh, yeah. sniffing like a dog. Yeah. And then same thing uh, on uh, the, the Seven, I think they embellish and improve on the characters from the comics the one exception is noir because they they i'm just gonna tell you like you probably already know they don't use the the twist from the comic yeah so noir is maybe the most different out of all the characters on the seven i love noir on in the comic because like what it builds to with him he ends up being, like, such a terrifying, yeah. like, genuinely fantastic villain. Whereas on the show, it, it, you know, he's, st- he's still cool. Like, same thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's still pretty good. But they make him, like, their riff on Snake Eyes. Yeah. Like, the badass, silent, ninja, assassin character. Which works for what they're doing, but of the two, it's, like, the le- the less interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, most of the way this season, I'm on board. Like, I really love season three. There's one thing they do that, that was, like, a misfire for me where... Do you want me to tell you or not? Go ahead. Okay. They show the way that uh, Noir sees the world. Because he, he's literally brain damaged. Yeah. From, like, an old mission. And he sees, like, he has a pack of cartoon characters that he sees. And, like, they, they're, they like, 
live action Chuck E. Cheese critters, and he has like a little beaver who like acts as his conscience. Mm-hmm. And so when you see Noir's view of the world, it's like there's like cartoon hearts coming off of things, and there's like birds flying beside him, encouraging him. And I, like I get what they were going for, but I'm like, I don't like it. Yeah, there's a co- there's a couple decent jokes in there. It's not a total waste. It doesn't ruin the character, but I'm like everything else is like so clever and so like kind of unpredictable. That feels like such a first draft idea. Like, mm-hmm. what if there was like a badass silent assassin who also liked coloring books? What, like, what if he just? What if his vision was just Roger Rabbit? Yeah, it's like what, what if it, this one was like a little as any? What what if he was like? To me, that that's not. It's better than this, but it's the same logic that goes. What if Captain Boomerang had a thing for his fluffy little pink unicorn doll? Mm-hmm. So, like I say, it's not like it spoils the show or anything, but the joke of having like a little cartoon bluebird going like, "Let's go fuck shit up." Yeah, like, that's, that's like that's, it's like happy. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that was a show I've never seen, but I know what you mean. Like that's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it, it's so easy for a show that, like, is genuinely really clever and funny mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. That just feels like such a layoff. I'm like, eh, I, I could have done that. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, uh, we'll you know, keep it focused largely on the positive. Uh, that is one of the big things that season three ran home for me. Uh, the show is legit funny mm. like really really fucking funny and how do you feel that uh we, we talked how like the style of the narrative and some of the characters change between the comic and the, the show what about the focus of the satire and what it's actually talking about i think the satire is a lot better focused in the show because you know it in the comics, I love Garth, but it was almost like it was a kind of Dennis Leary approach of like, like, oh, there's an annoying hippie, terror, fuck it. Like, that seemed to be kind of the vibe. With yeah. with this, it really is genuine satire. Yeah. And it feels like uh, the comic, it's not, it's not that like one doesn't land its blows properly it's just what they're focused on and this has to do with when they came out yeah so the comic was focused on satirizing other comics Mm -hmm. and the comic industry and i think uh it does that really well like a dark superhero parody had been done forever like 20 years before the boys rick veitch did brat pack yeah which is certainly not the first one to do that either yeah but uh, uh, the boys did it well. Like I say, it, it was focused on more like the political side of things, like the militarized state, especially in the Bush era, mm-hmm. and uh, how, how that had its origins going all the way back to like CIA stuff and post World yeah. War II stuff. And then on the wider side of things, yeah, it's just taking the piss out of uh, uh, comics. And I feel like. I, I don't want to, like, spoil too much of, like, the end of the comic, but a scene that I can talk about, uh, Stillwell, like, Vought's company 
guy, like mm-hmm. the haircut and the suit. Uh, the last thing you see of him in the comic, they're revealing like the new wave of superheroes after like the seven turned evil and like they're. There's like a big fight and everything. And they all look like Mark Miller's nemesis. They all look like Mark Miller's nemesis. They're all dressed in like the stupid all-white costume. And it's like one of the great laugh-out-loud moments in the whole comic. Because he's like, he's like, no, 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 that one's pissed himself. No, no, she's clearly going through some sort of withdrawals. No, no, that's just the deep... That, that, shows, one, that one visibly has an erection. Yeah, it just shows, like, a bulky guy with, like, the Veep's stupid little circle in his mask. Yeah. Because, yeah, because he, like, got while the getting was good. Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah. Jack from Jupiter also do that? Uh, no. Oh. Pretty conclusively. Uh, but anyways, uh, and then he's, he's just like, it's terrible. Like, you need to start over from the ground up. Like, we can't do anything with this. And then he just goes off in his office and... He's been totally unflappable the entire... Yeah. Like, even when, like, Homelander is, like, about to blast his head off. He reminds me of the dude from Death Clock. That's my bread and butter you're yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. He's like that or, like, Owen from Gargoyles. Like, totally mm-hmm. in that mold. And it's the only time you see him crumple. He's just, like, alone in his office. And, like, he kind of slumps his head against the window and he just goes, bad product. Mm-hmm. And it's not just thing like I can I can and will sell anything, but this is garbage. Yeah, and it's <coughs> it's like this is rotten, and it's possible the rot goes so deep and so far back that it would be easier just to not bother with it. Which mm-hmm. I would maybe that's Garth's attitude on superheroes, in which case stop writing them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, whereas. And this is what I find interesting. Like, when they announced The Boys as a show, again, I was a little skeptical, and I thought, like, great, we have another dark superhero thing. We have another, like, these superheroes swear. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the cleverest thing anybody could think of. But I realized it's like if the comic is making fun of the military-industrial complex and the comic book industry. Yeah. Then the main thing the show is making fun of is celebrity culture and the comic book movie industry. And I will... They've they've been good about this in, like, the first two seasons, but I think they kind of hit the stratosphere in the third one. Like, I think The Boys is the best parody anyone's done yet of the MCU of, like, the Marvel movie era mm-hmm. <laughs> of both comics and cinema. Yeah. It's also probably the best political satire out there these days, at least since Veep ended. <laughs> um, and, like, they, they... I think they were, like, building to that. Like, it's uh, it's there in the first season. It's better in the second season. But here, it's they're just wearing it like a glove. Uh, and it's... They nail it, like, the way the characters interact, the way that their shitty personal stories are, like, rewritten into, like, dramatized in the movies. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Maeve is, like, written as, like, bisexual, so Mm -hmm. it becomes, like, a whole Pride Month sort of tie-in thing. Yeah. Um, And 
in the second season when they have like Stormfront on the team, they do the parody of uh, "Girls Get the Job Done." Yeah, you know, like the thing everybody rightly makes fun of. We'll take it from here. Exactly. Where even people who are like fans of Endgame, there's even some Marvel heads and like total like anti comics gate everything, but just because it's so stupid, yeah, it's so fucking cheesy, like. All of a sudden, all the women are standing together in one line. And they get taken out almost immediately. Yeah, and, 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 and you had one of my all-time favorite lines on that. When you have Letitia Wright and Gwyneth Paltrow. And, uh, Evangeline Lilly. And Evangeline Lilly, you remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to take credit for it because it was your joke. You want me to do it? Yeah. <laughs> the, well, they say, we'll take it from here. And I said, what are you going to do, give Thanos COVID? <laughs> yeah, I remember you calling it uh, the anti-vax Justice League of America. <laughs> um, but they, they parody that with Stormfront. And they even play fight song. Yeah, so they have like, it, there's like the fake Vought pictures, Vought movie studios or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Stormfront, Maeve, and Starlight, We'll take it from here. Like, girls get the job done. And then at the end of season two, the girls are the only ones with powers. Like, M.M., Huey, Frenchie, Butcher don't have powers. Maeve, Starlight, and Kumiko do. Yeah. So they just start curb-stomping Stormfront. It's like, take that, you stupid Nazi bitch. (laughs) It's, like, gratifying because, yeah, it's like a fucking Nazi. A literal Nazi. Yeah. And you... Uh, and it's been memed, but you get Frenchie doing the, ah, I guess girls do get the job done. <laughs> and they make fun of that. And it's, there's stuff that's basically that on the nose in the new season. So now that Stormfront has been revealed as a Nazi and a villain, yeah, that has to be reflected in the world of Vought's, like, narrative. Yeah. Movies. So the new, the dawn of the seven is about how uh, Stormfront was a traitor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, obviously, like, if, if the Seven had known, they never would have done this. Whereas the joke is, of course, Homelander's totally chill with her being a Nazi because she likes him and thinks he's hot. Yeah. They're, as, as much of a boyfriend and girlfriend as those two characters can be to someone. Yeah. And it's perfect because it's like, you're a Nazi. It's like, yeah, but I also like you, and that's all that matters to Homelander. Yeah. Do you look up to me? Do you think I'm cool? Mm-hmm. So yeah. So in other words, it's like I'm getting a bunch of likes. I mean, mostly from like white power movements, but uh, yeah. Still, uh, you know, a click's a click. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they make fun. Of, they have like, you know, like Maeve comes out to face Stormfront. It's like, I didn't think you'd come alone. Who said I was alone? And like Starlight comes up. A train dashes in. It's like A train. What are you doing here? I couldn't let you guys have all the fun. And it's like, it's not even a joke. It's not a parody. It's just an accurate rendition. It's, I remember you said it's like a Larry Blameyer movie. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, it's barely even a joke. It's just dialogue. Yeah, it's not, it's not exaggerated. It's, it's like drawing a photo accurate sketch of an ugly person. And I go like, this is you. Yeah. This, this is what you look like. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that's what every Marvel movie sounds like. The you know the they fly now syndrome mm-hmm. that everyone makes fun. It of. just reminds me reminds me of uh, an Endgame. On your left, what? 
on your left mm-hmm. cap, and he flies out of the Falcon flies out of the portal. Yeah, like uh, of course that's what it's in reference to. And they even have there's one where they have like it's the Pepsi commercial. Remember with like where they stop the cops and the riot by everybody just having yeah. Pepsi. They do the A-Train version of that. And, I, and, like, when I saw that they were doing that for a moment, I think, that was, like, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Are we striking while the iron's kind of cold? It is so obnoxious and spot-on. And the way that it represents nothing. Yeah. Like, where it's, say what you will about each side, where it's like, defund the police, and then it's like, no, we need, you know, support the police. The thin mm-hmm. blue line that protects us from chaos, it's like, at least those are opinions. Yeah. But the person who comes out and goes like, hey, 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 maybe we all just need to relax. Dude, if we sit down, maybe crack open a couple of beers, I'm sure we can reach an abortion, uh, a compromise on abortion. How about women have some rights? Like, yeah. that real uh, way, like, hey, we're all in this together. It's like, no, actually, most problems arise from when you're forced to be together. Like, you're locked in a room with someone who wants to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it captures, like, the sheer, like, something that's all message but has nothing to say. Mm-hmm. They nail that so beautifully. <laughs> and, like, all that, that's what, like, the, the note they kept hitting throughout the season, like, Homelander is. And just a perfect character. Yeah. And you keep looking at him and you're like, he wants to be evil. Like, he even has like moments in the show where he's like, if I could just kill that last little bit of me that thinks it's human, I can mm-hmm. do whatever I wanted to. Yeah. But he doesn't do it. It's like, Homelander could kill anybody. He could do anything. There's even a point where like, Starlight kind of threatens to blackmail him. And it's not giving much away, but he even tells her like, Go ahead, because if you leave me with nothing, I have nothing to lose. It's like, I will take out New York in a day. And, like, he calls her bluff, and you're like, yeah, but, like, <laughs> that that's kind of true. How do you fight a character like that? Mm-hmm. And his one Achilles heel is that he has to be loved. He has to have you think he's cool. And as soon as, like, if you look up to him, he hates you. So, like, A-Train and the Deep are, like, the biggest sycophants. He treats them both like shit, just despises them. Yeah. And talking about how, even though he is funny, like, how uh, scary he can be is, like, in the in the first season when the stuff comes out about the boys, mm-hmm. when stuff comes out about the Seven, thanks to the boys, and they realize... Uh, Starlight and Huey are a couple. It's like, you told them, didn't you? And, like, she puts her hands up and, and the thing of, like, no, 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 I didn't. And, like, the power, her power comes from her hands and he just goes, put your hands down or I will burn them down to the elbow. Yeah. And it's just so matter-of-fact, like, I'm going to do this and you're not going to stop me. Yeah. And, it, you know, he's, here's a character who just kills people and especially women left and right yeah um but that's the thing like he has to have the crowd like him Mm -hmm. um and again that's that's what's so spot on about what it's making fun of is all that matters is you think i'm cool 
Yeah. So Homelander is it's a, it's really easy to say like Homelander is Donald Trump. And that's you know not a horrible read in some ways, but it's like more to the point, he doesn't represent Donald Trump, the president, the 45th president. Yeah. He represents Donald Trump, the guy on Twitter. Yeah. And he represents J.K. Rowling. And he represents Elon Musk and you name and like a bunch of sitcom writers. People who have literally a billion dollars at their disposal and a fan base and could be just like doing lines off a centaur's back right now. But instead they are on a little Game Boy crouched over like Gollum arguing with a furry artist who said that they were overrated. Yeah, that... And that is a thing, like in real life, that is a thing that baffles me more than like the secrets of the universe is like celebrities, millionaires, just spending time arguing with internet randos. Like, don't you have shit to do? Dude, and like I got, I got probably like more online than I should have been during the pandemic, just out of boredom. And then when things cooled down, I was like, I can go on, like, a hike. I, I'm not yeah. saying I don't, like, check in on some accounts I like or whatever. Yeah. But I was like, dude, I'm, like, a grown-up. I've got a, I got a job. I could be doodling right now, like, literally anything else. If I feel that way, you would think that, like, the best-selling author on Earth would feel that way. Yeah. But no, so they perfectly capture that and... It's weird because usually when people do like, I make fun of both sides. That just means like you hate trans people. Yeah. <laughs> like ninety percent of the time is like I make fun of both sides equally. President, a little Mexican kid that drowned trying to get into this country. They're both equally worthy of mockery. <laughs> yeah, the, the comedians that are like, hey, you guys in the audience, watch out because I am an equal opportunity offender. I'll make fun of everyone except the people that look like they could kick my ass. Exactly. Whereas, so yeah, that's always like the caveat there. The boys really does toe that line where it is clearly making fun of, and not subtly, Mm -hmm. but it's making fun of like the alt-right twerps. I I hate that word, like alt-right's not a thing, but I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. Um, It makes fun of that. It makes fun of like... Yeah, the neo-Nazis. Like, Stormfront has her yeah. crowd of, like, Tiki Torch carrying. Mm-hmm. Again, like, like, the boys doesn't want you to have to guess at what it's getting at. Um, it's clearly making fun of Trump and the Republicans and everything else, but then it's also taking all these pot shots at liberals and Democrats. Mm-hmm. And not... It's, like, fundamentally... It's like, yeah, of, of course... Like, I'm not racist or sexist or I don't think women are tough and cool and everything. But, like, the performativeness mm-hmm. that the, like, where you turn your sexuality into a brand. Yeah. Which, everything, same thing like A-Train, it's just, it, it was a clever thing, like, to kind of do some race swapping from the comics. So A-Train's the black character, is uh, is black on the show, mm-hmm. which I don't think he is in the comic. No, he's like a white ginger. Yeah. Uh... That works because it's making fun of, like, sports. Yeah. What it expects, how it, like, 
which is fine. This is like like a path to success for some people. But sports as an industry like chews up people and especially young black men and then just yeah, spits them yeah. out. So by the third season, like due to like health complications, he can't even run anymore. Yeah, does it like fuck up his heart? Yeah, or something? like if he if he uses his power too much, his heart will burst. So he technically doesn't even have a superpower he can use anymore, but he still has to be like the face of black superheroes. They get some like Wakanda jokes in there and everything. Mm. And it's a way to the joke is not like ha ha black people, like Yeah. Like what the fuck kind of thing would that be? Mm. But it uses that to make fun of No, maybe it's kinda of stupid that like white people do the Wakanda salute. Yeah. Like maybe it's stupid that black people do it, but especially when it's like, you know, if I did it. Mm-hmm. Godspeed, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> uh the fact that Deep becomes the superhero version of a Scientologist. Yeah. And then does his, like, Leia Romani style, like, here's how I escape the clutches of this cult. Which is in no way any better or worse than Vaughn's. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the whole thing, like, really clicks into place. And then, I'll let you watch it, but the new season has Soldier Boy, which is their version of Captain America. Yeah. In the comics, Soldier Boy is, he's a man-child, like, yeah. he, he's constantly pissing himself, uh, I think, like, Homelander tricks him into having sex with him numerous times, because he's just, like, he just doesn't understand shit. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because they certainly go in a direction with Soldier Boy, and at the end of the day, it's like, Homelander's whole deal is... What if Superman were the world's biggest piece of shit? So their their jumping off point is: What if Captain America was the world's other biggest piece of shit? <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's I'll let you watch it, but like he's really well done. The guy does another great job of being funny, but also like threatening and ridiculous at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they they do a lot that really lands, I think, uh, and. For the first two seasons, like I say, I was like kind of a hard sell on the show. I don't think the first season is actually like a slam dunk or anything. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of time. It's awkward to go like, here's my other crazy friend. Here's my crazy friend who's French. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's all the fun of like, how do you have your characters meet in an end in a D&D game? Yeah. So it, it's, it has to like lay all the groundwork. Um and the the thing that bugged me just a little bit with the first two seasons is, and I, I've talked about this on earlier episodes, mm-hmm. it's like they're trying to one-up the comic, but they can't follow through on it. Yeah. So it's like the first season, still well, the, you know, nobody in the suit mm-hmm. is here changed to Elizabeth's show. Yeah. And she's a mother and has kind of a personality and is still like a kind of corporate shark. But it's like, huh, I bet you weren't expecting that, huh? And it's like, wow, they really zigged instead of zagged and gave us a very different version of Stillwell. And at the end of season one, Homelander kills her. And they bring in Giancarlo Esposito, who's just the Stillwell from the comics. Yeah. It's a different name. It's Stan Edgar's. He comes off a little differently. He's more avuncular, but it's like, 
Yeah, you just you just like went like uh huh. I, I actually I'm I'm just gonna do the thing from the comic. I changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Same thing. There's the big twist. Instead of just Becca dies in childbirth and yeah. the baby's just like a monster that Butcher has to kill immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like no, Homelander actually had her secret family and had a kid and all this stuff. And Becca's alive and she's given like a real personality, so she's not just fridged. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the second season, they're like, yeah, we don't actually know what to do with Becca. Let's just kill her. And then Butcher can feel bad about it. Yeah. And it's like it keeps doing that, like, aha. This is like David Cross popping out of the the basketball bin. <laughs> yeah. And then sadly having to put all the basketballs back. <laughs> yeah. Which, not to say that there's nothing else to enjoy about the series, but like, I, that stuff like that always made me feel like you're not as clever as you think you are. Mm-hmm. You're not as you're a little jumped up. You're a little big for your britches. It seemed like it would never let itself really move ahead from that. I feel like in the third season it finally did. Like, and by the end of the third season, it is unrecognizable to the comic. Mm-hmm. Like they're not. It's not even like adapting certain bits here and there. Yeah. It's become so totally its own thing. Yeah, it's like the Preacher show, only good. Yeah, exactly. Where with Preacher, I'm like, I don't mind if they changed everything. It just, is it going to be fun? No? Oh, okay. I'll sit this one out then. Mm. Watch the first season. Ten hours, I'm never getting back. <laughs> um, and now, now that it, it's like, it kind of got over those jitters and just... Threw off everything that wasn't working and doubled down on all the stuff that it is clearly pretty good at. Uh, I love the new season, like, and I I did have one other thought because we talk a lot about comics on this show. Mm-hmm. We also talk about comedy and how it's not funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's not, I don't sincerely mean that because you can go watch fucking smiling friends and righteous gemstones yeah there's yeah there's there's actually tons of good shit go there's like funny podcasts guess what's still funny comedy bang bang is still mm-hmm. funny um but there is a sense of, of like i never want to see another stand-up comedian as long as i live yeah like i probably don't want to see another improv set like i can't picture like, oh, SNL's gotten really good again lately. <laughs> um, it's gotten better. It hasn't gotten good. And then, notably, um, the big thing that sort of, like, let its end down is uh, political comedy. Mm-hmm. It's just the pits. And it's funny, going back to, like, when The Boys comic was published, Yeah, that's when The Daily Show was really finding its identity and when The Colbert Report yeah. premiered. And those shows are amazing. Yeah. And it's, you can't really go back and watch them because of the nature of them, but I'm like, no, like, Colbert Report was just the best thing for, like, a decade. Mm-hmm. That shit was the perfect response to the Bush era. The Daily Show and the Colbert Report were the, the perfect lens to turn on the O'Reilly factor. Yeah. The problem is, whatever else I want to say about, like, Republicans and the conservative movement and everything, it does keep moving. Yeah. We're, for something that's just like constantly like looking backwards in its ethos, mm-hmm. it constantly evolves and like is, you know, 
willing to adopt like a left field thing like Trump out yeah. of the blue. Um, and that's why all the shows that have followed since then, like Full Frontal and The Opposition and The Nightly Show and that Netflix one that I can't remember the name of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and the new Colbert and Jon Stewart shows even. Yeah. They kind of fucking suck. Yeah. And people just went, well, Trump's so ridiculous, it's like you can't even make fun of him. It's like, really? Because Chapo <laughs> Trap House does it pretty damn easy. <laughs> like, they don't have, seem to have any trouble. It actually seems really easy to make fun of Trump. Like, really? There's like, James Austin Johnson does it? Like, every day you can get on Twitter and see somebody pretty effectively making fun of Trump. Yeah. I just, I love how much of comedy is just explaining why you can't be funny. Yeah. Political comedy. Do you have any words on Trump? The guy's just so silly. I can't, you can't ridicule him. So I won't be saying anything or doing anything for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, what about you, uh, edgy stand-up comedian? Well, honestly, audiences these days are so sensitive and like, you can't even make a joke anymore without uh, getting canceled. So I won't be making any from now on for the next 40 years or however long I live. And if I do make uh, edgy jokes that offend people, I will get paid ten times what I already do and get 19 more uh, uh, Netflix specials. Yeah. It's just... I mean, yeah, we're, we're critical of, like, uh, like Chappelle sometimes. Mm-hmm. I give him credit for just, like, going out there and, like, doing a special. It's kind of far from what I want to see at this point, but I'm like... At least Chappelle, like, I guess he has gotten kind of whiny. Mm-hmm. But at least it is, like, a stand-up special. It's not just a written statement about how he feels that he can no longer give stand-up specials. Yeah, like latter-day Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Just reading the court papers. Yeah. No, like, the we're, we're recording this, like, two days after Salman Rushdie got stabbed. Mm-hmm. He's apparently recovering, so... Yeah, you know, Godspeed. I, I like Salman Rushdie. I mm-hmm. he'll have to change his name to Salman Rushed on stage, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I like him. But th- there was a statement. It was a uh, uh, but in real time was that the terrible show? I think so. Yeah, it, it was Bill Maher, Piers Morgan, and Ross Douthat, or Douthat, or however you pronounce it. Uh, we're offering a tribute to Salman Rushdie on the newest episode. And I'm like, I picture Salman Rushdie lying in his hospital bed and seeing that on, like, the little TV up in the corner and just frantically removing his ventilator and his life support <laughs> and just flatlining in order to spare himself the embarrassment. <laughs> or just like, oh, I wish I was Elvis right now. <laughs> just blowing up the TV. I mean, I think, you know, like, I do like Salman Rushdie, but I think that's why these people idolize him, because he's one of, like, <coughs> he's one of, like, four people who actually has been canceled for exercising their free speech. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, Rowling and Bill Maher and everyone are like, just look, I mean, that never happened to me and it won't, but imagine a world where it did. Yeah. <laughs> um... But anyways, uh, getting back to it, that's the the show makes fun of this stuff. Uh, like I say, like like you can't you can't make fun of Trump and like the reason that 
Sam B or whoever doesn't really do a very good job of making fun of Trump is because they're using the same basic tricks from 2006. Yeah. And it, you'd think you'd realize pretty quickly, like, oh, uh, having him, having, like, two clips that show that he's contradicting himself, uh, that doesn't actually change anything. Yeah. Like, going, hey, uh, you, you, you're you anti-immigrant, and yet you're married to one. I await your resignation. Yeah, it's the... Like, that's why I like the John Oliver thing. We got him. Wait, we didn't? Yeah, credit. Still completely president. Nothing happened? Okay. Yeah, so I give Oliver credit for that one. Like, they very much acknowledge the... Yeah, me dunking on him doesn't mean he lost or wasn't president or won't be president again. <laughs> um, and so I love that The Boys... Uh, a show which is just barely from the Trump era, just like the tail end. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's in the middle of the Trump era. <laughs> yeah. um, and a show which is, at the end of the day, not a comedy, Yeah, is the best satire of the Trump era. Like, mm-hmm. better than every Daily Show spinoff, better than any, you know, horse in a hospital metaphor that's, like, funny once, but then people get a tattoo of it on their chest. Yeah. Like, better than every riff people have come up with, it's just, yeah, let's just, it's like Trump if he could murder you with his eyes. Yeah. Stormfront, only instead of, like, an idea, it's just, like, a kind of hot, short woman (laughs) that he wants to march for. To be quite frank, Donald Pierce from Logan is a better... Is a better joke on Trump than a lot of these things. Who, yeah. by the way, uh, he's in Sandman. Boyd Holbrook. Is he the Corinthian? He's the Corinthian, and he's cool. fucking awesome. Is that like, like Corinthian has a, a southern accent? Yeah. So I'm like, well, like I, I didn't really know who Boyd Holbrook was, but I'm like, you're now in one of the two or three good comic movies, and you're in one of the two or three good comic TV shows. So <laughs> had to cast Boyd Holbrook. <laughs> Yeah, the boys or something. Um, but but yeah, like the the show is finally in narrative terms, it's finally getting kind of fearless. It's mm-hmm. it, it's not doing the constant like backtracking. Which when we talked about the comic, we mentioned that uh, Garth is good at long term planning. Yeah, in a way that can't really be replicated on the show. Mm-hmm. It's like a catch-22. The seven are the most interesting part and the funniest and coolest part of the show. Yeah. But you can't just have the boys fight the seven right away. Mm-hmm. And it's annoying if it's one of those shows where it's like, okay, we won't kill each other today, but soon. And mark my word. Like, yeah. It's, I, love, I like the show, but like Boardwalk Empire had to go, okay, we won't all shoot each other. But watch yourself, counseling. Yeah. <laughs> like the constant defrayed action. In the comic, the whole thing is like the seven are untouchable. They live in like a little palace in the sky, almost literally. Mm-hmm. And it's like the boys have to very slowly knock over the dominoes. Like, yeah. So they end up killing basically every other superhero in the world before finally converging on mm-hmm. the seven. Yeah, it's like it's almost video game esque. Yeah, it, it's like it's like a long payoff, and they're aware, and like you get to see the seven, like their side of the storyline throughout the comic, but there is virtually no direct interaction for precisely that reason. Like, 
Oh, Homelander would just, like, look at them and kill them. Yeah. Whereas on the show, it's tricky because it's like, well, we want to get right to the seven, but why is everybody not just killing each other right away? <laughs> yeah. They finally find some pretty good reasons, and they they take it to, like, they kind of follow through on it finally, when it's like, why would Maeve and Starlight even still be on a team with Homelander? Season three finally goes, yeah, that is kind of weird, and actually, like, addresses that. And, yeah. Like, pushes the story ahead in that direction. Without giving too much away, like, by the end of the season, the seven are not the seven. <laughs> Yeah. Either as like an idea or certainly numerically. <laughs> so uh it's it's well done and like I say, it it does manage to do like a both sides thing without going like, hey, trans people and Nazis are both equally obnoxious. I think we can agree. Yeah. Both are equally deserving of my score. Yeah. Uh but but no, it like makes fun of the performativity, the silliness, the kind of the hollow platitudes, not that there's anything wrong with, say, you know, paying respects to a, a black man who was killed by police violence. Maybe Nancy Pelosi wearing a dashiki and, like, yeah. doing the Trinity kneel is not the moving tribute that you thought it was. Yeah. Maybe doing a bunch of cartoons of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a Jewish woman, going to St. Peter in yeah. heaven was, like... Not as thought out as, like, she's partying with Piccolo right now. Motherfucker knows how to party. It's the first show, uh, well, maybe not the first show, but it's the first show I've seen that can, like, really nail those rhythms that, like, kind of makes online fun without giving you brain worms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, it's the same way on Veep. Veep, uh, like, uh, Selena Meyer, the character, mm -hmm. is a, a Democrat. Yeah. Which works, because if she was a Republican, it's like we talked about in the Parks and Rec episodes, like, yeah, no, she'd just be, like, in a book burning right now or something. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, we can make fun of her as, like, Hillary or Kamala or whatever, just, like, yeah. kind of trying, but also kind of insane and weird and selfish, <laughs> yeah. like... You know, like a monstrously flawed character instead of just a literal monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so say like Veep was the last show to do this well. I feel like The Boys is the only one doing it well now. And I, I did have a moment when I wrapped up this season when I was like, how is this going to age? Because that's, that's my only thing. Stuff moves so fast now and like, this is like a very specific parodies of Marvel movies, which just like I don't know about you, but just evaporate out of my mind the moment I stop looking at them. Basically, I mean that's the thing. Like I actually did watching them, but it it's like a McDonald's cheeseburger. Like mm -hmm. oh, that was good. What now? Exactly, and making like I said, a Pepsi commercial was already past its sell by date, even if I did like their parody of it. Mm -hmm. I, as much as I enjoyed The Boys, there's a little bit of me that thought, is this going to age? Is this going to have any frame of reference? Am I going to be able to watch this 10 years from now? But then I caught myself and went, well, why would I want to? Yeah. Like, le legit, how many dramas can you think of 
that people are still talking about 10 years later. Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. The Wire, uh, Sopranos, right? Sopranos. Sopranos a lot now. Yeah. Um, not really much. The, right? Like, that's kind of, like, nobody even freaks like you and me like Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about Mad Men. I love it, but, like, that, that show just, like, disappeared. People only bring up Game of Thrones to talk about how much they hate it. And so when I think, like, well... Will the boys still work in 2030? I, I have to catch myself and go, dude, most shows don't even work now yeah. while you are looking at them. Just enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> and it's it's the same with comedy. You know, I look at mm-hmm. I look at comedy that you know we loved like about a decade ago or even more than a decade ago. Um I think of stuff like Oh man, was like Monkey Dust was so funny, and uh, you know Excel Saga was. I get such a kick out of that, <laughs> and it's like, oh, uh, would you like to watch them again? Nope, I'd rather eat my own dick. Dude, Excel Saga is the perfect example of like when it came out, like two thousand three. It came out over here in the states. Mm-hmm. It was like every anime fan you knew just was like, this is the funniest shit ever, and like. This is the ultimate parody of our cool thing that we like. Not a peep. Yeah. You never hear about it. Like, it never comes up. If you think about it at all, you're like, oh, yeah, that that was cool. It's like thinking about the Brack show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that from, like, 20 years ago. Like, that was fun. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, like, sit in my mind the way that, like, moral oral (laughs) Xavier Renegade Angel do. Yeah. Even if you want them to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had like a closing thought, but I don't mean to just ramble and ramble. I mean, what can you tell me about the show? Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, not much. I mean, uh, I will, I'll get around to watching the, uh, uh, season three, my, <laughs> the schedule that I make for myself in, for my day is weirdly full, so. I'll get around to it. I'm really excited to, though. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Uh, I do like how it's it's like the team is the Justice League, mm-hmm. but the aesthetic it's making fun of is Marvel. Yeah. Which, which works because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that Marvel's way more successful. DC's mm-hmm. never going to catch up. That's it's not going especially to. now. Uh, yeah. Good God. Yeah, that's... It, we almost thought about doing an episode on, like, that, like, what's the deal with DC? But then I realized, oh, we always do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I always end it with, oh, I still like it better than Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, like the Justice League is like iconic and Titanic, like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash. Yeah. In a way that I don't care how many birthday cakes they appear on, like Thor and the Wasp are not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, people who you did, people who most people didn't even know about before the movies came yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Like even if you haven't seen a superhero movie or read a superhero comic, you know the Flash. Yeah, and I mean these days, even if you've never cracked open a comic, you now you know who Shang Chi and the Eternals are. But yeah, uh, but anyways, yeah. So I'm glad they took the Justice League as like their character analogs, but what they are making fun of is clearly the MCU. By the way, they do have payback. 
in this, like Soldier Boy and all those characters. Mm-hmm. They're, we, which is their way of acknowledging the Avengers are even shittier than the Justice League. <laughs> and, By the way, another great name, Payback, instead yeah, of the Avengers. Which, again, like you could easily see that being the name of like an image comic, like Stormwatch, Youngblood, and Payback teamed up to defeat Hellspawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, she's only in an episode or two, but they have the Crimson Countess, who's like, they make her such a fucking dingbat. She's so much fun. And I love it because, as you know from this show, I hate the Scarlet Witch. In the comic, in movies, on TV, I think that's such a terrible character. Yeah. And so, I love it. It's just like an episode and a half, and I'm going, she fucking sucks, right? Like, we're all on the same page here. Um, you do get to see, uh, uh, the legend does pop up here. Played by Paul Reiser. Oh, you, so you know that much? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look at the, the comic, the legend, and I think, like, if you really wanted to cast him right, get Larry David, but make him uglier. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also, he's, like, three feet tall in the comic. Uh, First of all, I don't know what's up with Paul Reiser where he's been doing comedy longer than I've been alive. Mm -hmm. And up until like four years ago, I didn't give a shit. I didn't like Paul Reiser. I didn't hate him or anything, but he was like Richard Lewis or something. Mm -hmm. Didn't like his stuff. Didn't like his show that he had. Didn't like his stand-up. He was just that era of like, if you were, like, the 87th most successful stand-up comedian, you would get an NBC show that ran for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for the longest time, I was like, who gives a shit about... Paul Reiser is, like, as funny as Bob Saget to me. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in the last, like, four years, suddenly Paul Reiser isn't everything, and he's awesome. <laughs> so after, like... Stranger Things, obviously, but this. Even stuff like The Little Hours and whatever fucking, like, Noah Baumbach movie he's <laughs> doing for Netflix. Now I go, oh, hey, Paul Reiser's in this. Yeah. It's like a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he's the legend. And, it, again, it's well done because the legend in the comics, the whole point is he's been abused and wrung out and bled dry by the comic industry. Mm-hmm. Whereas Paul Reiser essentially plays him as a cross between Stan Lee and Robert Evans. <laughs> you're like, right. Because the legend of the comics is talking about Stan Lee, the head of the Marvel bullpen. Splendidio, true believer. And this is Stan Lee in real life yeah. where it's like they made him do like a million cameos. And like up until the end of his life when... He was a very weak man. Yeah. It's like, I remember when I was uh, Eiffel Towering Angie Dickinson back in the shit. Like, it's, all of his stories are like that. And it's like, yeah, it's Stanley, the lovable user of other people. Like, who get, like, is the most famous, technically the highest grossing actor of all time. Yeah. <laughs> but only in movies where they literally just have, like, his corpse come out and now i know that they said that they would go ahead and use cgi to further his cameos i would appreciate it if they just did like 
on Stranger Tides, or it's just like a corpse, but it's a marionette tied to a mainsail. Or just that have, would be about as ghoulish. Or just have when Jordan Peele played him on that episode of Key and Peele. <laughs> yes. By the way, the technology to bring back like Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher and uh, uh, all those other people, Jack Allison is right. That should be illegal. Yeah, but it's a. Uh, it is what it is, uh, but the fact that they updated from <clears throat> bullpen Stanley to cameo Stanley mm-hmm. shows that this is the first show that's really moving on with this stuff. And this is what I say, like maybe my putting a bow on all this. I feel like so many of the comic movies and TV shows, it, like if you're just adapting it and having fun, cool. Like, do Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. They have, up until now, they have never done a successful deconstruction because there's nothing there to deconstruct. Because when you had, like, Alan Moore do Watchmen, he had 50 years of superhero flotsam and jetsam that he could rummage around through and use. Mm -hmm. When you had Zack Snyder make the Watchmen movie, we'd had about six years' worth of a minor... Hollywood superhero boom. Yeah. There's you can't get into like the history of superheroes all almost a decade of it. The same thing when they did the Deadpool movies. I don't like Deadpool in the comics all that much, to be honest, but it's like this thing where he's like a parody of Deathstroke, and they use it to make fun of like Wolverine and whatever's popular in Marvel at the time. Mm-hmm. And so when you have Deadpool kind of like running riot through the X-Men universe and the Marvel universe, Deadpool, when he became popular, like early aughts. Mm-hmm. The Joe Kelly era. Yeah, there was between 40 to 80 years of Marvel stuff that you could make fun of. Mm-hmm. Depending on like when you count, like, like does it start with Fantastic Four or World War II? Mm-hmm. Whatever. There were decades upon decades that you could riff on. Whereas the movie, the Deadpool movies don't quite work because it's like, we're going to make fun of like all the stylistic tricks on the X-Men movies. And you're like, oh, wait, they don't have any. Yeah. They're, they're like the most frictionless, least stylish movie. Outside of like first class, they don't have any style. Yeah. So what are you going to make fun of? Like, oh, uh, well, uh, the, the writers are underpaid. Uh, hey, hey, have you noticed how the, the bad guy is always British? Is that, is that something? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's nothing you can make fun of, uh, but now that we've had 20 fucking years of rather exhausting superhero movie franchises, The Boys feels like the first thing that is finally doing that. Instead of trying to do, like, a 1980s deconstruction, it's, we're now as far away from Watchmen as Watchmen was from the stuff that it was disassembling. Yeah. The boys, instead of trying to chase that high in a media most people aren't familiar with to an audience that doesn't know what you're talking about, instead they're just going, hey, you know those fucking movies everybody watches? Mm-hmm. Let's take some pot shots of those. And they're actually really funny, it turns out. Yeah. And then we'll go ahead and make fun of you know, Pepe's and everyone online, yeah. too. It'll actually be pretty good. And the thing I like about the kind of updating for the times, like what The Boys show is doing, is it reminds me of basically what 
Snyder was doing with the DC Cinematic Universe, like, you look at Lex Luthor and it's like, okay, well, he wouldn't be like an 80s art of the deal era Trump. He would be a dot-com billionaire who's like twitchy and autistic and like, not just that he can't deal with people, doesn't like them, like he just fundamentally doesn't like anyone. Yeah. And like, that's such a good way to handle him. Yeah, and I, I, I think you're right there, and that's, that's like a really good, precise example where it's like, no, this has to be totally like the comic, which was like referring to a thing that doesn't make any sense. It's like how the Fantastic Four doesn't work anymore because it's like a vision of family and space exploration and all these other things that doesn't really outlast the 60s. Mm. So now it's just like, hey, these four boring people, it's like a team of Mormons. What am I looking at? <laughs> and then like an orange Hulk. <laughs> um, same thing. I, I, I like Lex Luthor. I think is a fun comic character. But you're right. Are we going to be doing the 40-year-old Trump parody from like a John Byrne comic? Or are we going to have him be as you say, what those guys actually look like. Yeah. Just have Eisenberg literally play the same character he did in the social network. Yeah, like, this Lex Luthor would have... He would be getting into fights with people on Twitter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As well as fights with superheroes. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's what you gotta do. Like, this, this stuff won't last forever. It can't last forever. And when you make it too fidelitous to the source material, then it just dies on the vine. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll, like, bring it full circle here. Like, the Sandman adaptation, I do praise it for its faithfulness, but by that I mean Sandman's a pretty good comic. Like, with the, the Hope and Hell story, you don't need to change that much of it. it it's mm -hmm. pretty good. Like, But then when, when there's stuff that could be changed or could be updated or you go, like, could even just, like, two or three of these characters be non-white? Yeah. Not, not even being snotty, but just, like... I think Neil Gaiman, like, most white writers went, Oh, shit, yeah, right. They don't... Yeah. They, like, they can look like something else. And it, it doesn't change a fucking thing if, like, Rose Walker is black or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we probably won't make, like, Loki, like, <laughs> Malaysian in this. But we can go ahead and do whatever we want with the uh, humans... In New York. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, it, you, you either start with good source material, and if you change anything, you change it for the better. Or you start with okay source material and just do whatever you want with it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like The Boys is a mixture of the two, and, like, about four years after everybody else, I'm finally on, on aboard the train. Now that I know the show is... Something besides, like, yeah, Superman just said the F word. Mm -hmm. Now that it is really stretching its muscles, I honestly, I don't think it could go indefinitely, but I'd love to see at least the next couple seasons, including next year when they're doing the X-Men spinoff. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Which I look forward to it, but uh, yeah, it's not so much I recant some of my earlier criticism, but it's like, it finally won me over. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching season three. So, uh, see you guys.